everyone. Welcome to episode 27 of Twin Cities Trekkies. I am Wes. And I'm Kenzie. And today we have a very special guest hailing all the way from Germany. We have planetary geoscientist Dr. Birko Katarina Rusica um, talking about Star Trek metrics. Um, this was actually something that Kenzie had shared with me personally, um, talking about uh, like metrics regarding dialogue in Star Trek and also episodes of Star Trek Voyager too. Um, so I thought this was very interesting. So what I had done, I read the articles. I thought it was interesting. So I reached out to Dr. Birko and um, stuff like that. And um, and it, here we are. So uh, to get in touch with us, it is simple. Simply email us at tctrekkiespodcast at gmail.com. Uh, feel free to send us an email. Uh, Anything you have to say is perfectly fine with us and stuff like that. Um, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. The handle is TC Trekkies Pod for both social media platforms. Uh, we're also available on YouTube. Um, you can find us on YouTube. Twin Cities Trekkies is pretty easy to find and stuff like that. Um, and stuff like that. Uh, other things like that. Um, we are also available on every platform you can think of. Like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and stuff like that. And also, um, I do want to shout this out to anybody who has a podcast of their own. Uh, feel free to send us a 60-second promo of your podcast. Uh, genre of podcast is not required. Send us an email with your with your promo. If you have a future episode that you are really thinking that, oh, this would be great to be promoted on Twin Cities Trekkies, feel free to do that. But just keep in mind that any feedback you do leave, vocal or written, may be featured in a future episode of Twin Cities Trekkies. Hi, I'm Karina Gantis, host of Behind the Pen podcast. Anyone who works with a pen can be a guest. I've had film and movie stars on the show, award-winning directors, authors, musicians from all over the world. You can find Behind the Pen on my YouTube show under my channel, Karina Gantis. And you can find the audio podcast on Anchor or look for Behind the Pen on Spotify, Google Play and all the other great podcast platforms. I know nothing about my guest. So as we chat, we soon learn who is Behind the Pen. from Germany, we have planetary geoscientist Dr. Birko Katarina Rusica. So welcome to Twin Cities Trekkies. Thanks for having me. 
All yeah, right. Super exciting. Yeah, it's so exciting to actually meet you and stuff like that because I mean it's been about two weeks since uh Kenzie had shared those articles with me and I was like I am really quite surprised, uh first of all, that um when I reached out to you, you responded almost immediately. I just wanna Yeah, that was I was super pumped. How I actually discovered some of the, your work was everyone's getting really excited about it, like the analysis of it was in a there's like a Star Trek like wholesome posting and like Star Trek shit posting like Facebook groups and but people <laughs> oh, really? share it being like hey have you seen stuff like this like this is really cool and someone's doing like uh like data analysis and then I start shared again in a feminist chat group that I was in and I'm like wow I'm like I want to reach out and talk to this person because it's really cool to see somebody kind of do a data analysis of something that you don't usually think about over the period of time that Star Trek has been around, but realizing that that's a great way to kind of have like this milestone indicator of where, how far have we come? So I, yeah, if you want to like uh, introduce yourself and kind of talk yeah. about some of the stuff that you've done and like maybe some inspiration around that, like we'll kind of jump out of there. Yeah, sure. Of course. So I find that fascinating what you just said. Of course I could um, track pretty well how my tweet was doing, where I was giving out the links and the, the graphics and the info about my results. And I was super excited to see just how that took off. But uh, of course I, I expected it to somehow leave Twitter, but I don't have any way to track that. So yeah. that's a really cool insight for me on the other hand. Um, I had a feeling like Star Trek and gender and data science that's something that many people would get excited about and so I'm a thanks for the introduction Wes I'm a planetary geoscientist which, me, which means that I do geoscience like geology or geophysics or anything related to um, solid earth except that I focus mainly on other bodies than earth so for my PhD project, I was lucky enough to be able to work with the data from the Rosetta mission. So this was a European science space mission to Comet 67P, of Gerasimenko. And there, were, there was such a wealth of data and I was on board for analyzing the images. So there were about 70,000 images taken off the surface of this comet. And my job was to see if I could reconstruct the geology, the internal structure of this comet, just from the three-dimensional model and the images taken off the surface. And we got some pretty cool results. And so that's what I do for Super my exciting. In, in civilian life. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, there was some there was some time on my hands due to some pandemic happening in this world oh yeah so <laughs> i took the time to to learn data science and i was just you know taking classes learning a lot of things it was very theoretical and i thought i needed a practice project i needed to get my hands dirty and just really do something about this and I was browsing Kaggle, you know, it's like a website where people can upload a lot of data sets and um, you can do with them whatever you like. Uh, there's, there's also competitions, but yeah, 
I found I found a couple of really cool things there. I was just browsing, you know, and I saw that somebody did um, did an, an analysis for the transcripts of Stargate SG One. It was really in depth and extensive, and I was really impressed and intimidated. Um, but you know, only for a second, and I thought, hey, why not? And I looked what other transcripts there might be and then there was one for star trek and i thought hey my time has come oh that's so <laughs> awesome you're like ah here we Being go a lifelong <laughs> trekkie i just couldn't resist and then i within moments i realized what i had gotten myself into and this had taken up the past three months of my life every free minute has gone into this yeah oh yeah so so you are a a, a trekkie there uh Birko? Oh, absolutely. I grew up with Next Generation and Voyager. <laughs> Sounds and like that, very much like Kenzie. That was here. absolutely what inspired me to become a scientist. Oh, awesome. Yes, absolutely. that's a, same. that is the same for me. Like growing up watching Star Trek, that is exactly how I felt. I wanted to go into physics and into computer mm-hmm. science being like, this is such a central part of Star Trek and seeing women engineers. It's very exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome because right? it sounds just like Kenzie there. Uh, <laughs> just like grew up on Voyager and Next Generation and stuff like that. Kind of sounds just like Kenzie. So that's yeah. Awesome. We always ask like, what's it like? What's your favorite Star Trek series? If you if you can pick, and uh, for me, it, mine's Voyager. I love Voyager. That's definitely my favorite tale of Captain Janeway. <laughs> yeah, um, it's hard to pick a favorite. It's I know all of them. All of them have issues. All of them have strength. Um, Voyager is very dear to my heart just because I watched it in such a formative time of my youth. And uh, just, you know, when Voyager was airing, it wasn't very common to see a leading woman, a woman in command of anything. And just seeing Janeway week after week and having it be so normalized for me kind of normalized the concept for me too, that I could do great things. Exactly. That's awesome. So, um, so, uh, so you said you found the uh, like the metric kind of thing and stuff like that. And you saw one for Star Trek. Um, so, what prompted you to um, start doing the uh, metrics of Voyager and of the genders of Star Trek? So, two things really. On the one hand, I am. Um... Being a scientist, I always just want to know how things work. And I love digging below the surface. I love seeing what's behind the obvious and uh, just revealing new layers to things and to to be very abstract and to be a little less abstract. uh, On the other hand, I, I love having hard data to support something that we intuitively think is true but then there's always a couple of people who go like nah, that's not true your yeah. impression, your impression is wrong <laughs> then you can be like hey here's my graph here's my data i have yeah. it very black on white or in my case neon on black oh i, I loved all the you. the styles of uh, of the like the different style palettes that mm. you used for some of your visualizations it was to be very uh, precise what inspired me to do the gender study was something that i had read a couple of weeks before where it said that and, and don't quote me on the numbers but um that 
a medium is perceived to be gender equal as soon as women talk, I think 30% of the time. And anything more than 30%-ish is perceived to be the women are talking too much. Yeah, I saw a similar study to that where it, and it was going by asking men and women to look at dialogue and their perceptions. And then men usually came back almost always thinking women talked more than the men, but then the women had the more accurate perception of women talking less than the men. And then the supporting actual dialogue, doing something probably similar to what you did, finding a data set around dialogue being like, actually the women were talking about 15, 20% of the time. It's just somehow weirdly overperceived. I don't know, for, for whatever reason, it's overperceived very easily specifically by women or by men, which I think mm. is such a weird thing. I don't even know how that works or what all goes into that kind of perception, but having something like raw data to work with and tell a story with is always amazing. And I think it's so important in this day and age where so many people can be their own kind of informants on the internet. They can look up things and research, but having the ability to put something into a data visualization, which really can visually tell a story, which I think a lot of people need, that's super nice. And I love how you laid out your, your GitHub projects where you really broke down all of the data that you were you know, scrubbing and cleaning and going through and comparing it. And that's super nice Like before you see the final visualization. Yeah, it was really important to me that people could follow along, that it was understandable and reproducible. And I've had a couple of people actually reach out to me saying uh, they reproduced my data or they they uh, worked from where I stopped. And I was extremely excited to to see their projects. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, that's great. Um, yeah. Um, I, don't know I, I that that was something where I was like, I really want to look into this. I some of the tools that you had used so my senior year of college I tried to do a sort of a marriage of data visualization with computer science as my like final project like just talking about a way to visualize and it was specifically focused on things like JSON like being a nice in-between tool of passing data uh, for things like R for like data sets and doing the visualization tools and so it was really exciting to see that where I'm like, wow, I'm like, I think you rekindled my like excitement about working on data visualizations. It's like, yeah, like, I, I mean, I think that's, that's safe to say for other people that probably reach out to you, like something that you definitely kindled in others being like, wow, I can, I can do this too. And just seeing it broken down, I think is really inspiring and just really nice to be able to follow along and actually try it out themselves. Like it's really, it's not so intimidating when you can see people doing really honest work and trying something out you know it's my deepest conviction that science should never be intimidating and I hate this trend in academia in particular where it's mostly about how smart can I sound how impressive can I sound which having visited a couple of conferences is very frequently happening through how much can I just make people feel stupid because they don't understand what I'm telling them, but, you know, making my audience doubt themselves instead of having them take me to, (laughs) you know. Exactly. I I totally agree with that too. One of my favorite 
like probably one of my biggest idols on science was uh, Richard Feynman because he was huge on simplifying things and also willing to be wrong and failing. You yeah. have to fail, fail gracefully. Like it's all about being wrong. Like if you truly are a scientist and you love what you do, part of being a scientist is being wrong most of the time. And, and you have to be okay with why that. You're wrong. Yeah. yeah. It, part of it is yeah. sitting with why you're wrong and how can you be right then and learn from that. It's all about learning from failure. And it's failing upwards. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And I wish, I mean, this this whole, this whole atmosphere of do not fail is so counterproductive. Yeah. It's, it's not helping. It so what, what I set out to do is, you know, I really love science communication. I really love communicating and bringing my, not only my results, but science in general to the public mostly, because with the public, you still get this moment of, wow, that's so cool. And what better thing is there to do? Yeah. And I think now more than ever, we need things like that. Like, especially where people right now, especially during the pandemic, are doing a lot of their own research or using the internet as a means to find out information and it's people who are willing to dive into data especially raw data and tell a an honest story about it and not be that's one thing about raw data that can be a little scary too is like misrepresenting what the story is being told with it Mm. but like for the most part people who actually work with data sets and set that up the intentions are true there and they want to tell a story that's meaningful to people and understandable I was actually very grateful to the people who came forward and pointed out some errors I had left in the in in my data set that I uploaded Um, and you know that's great I'm I'm happy for people to reach out because that gives me a chance to fix it otherwise the errors will just stay in there and people will download it like heavens forbid some undergrad trekkie wants to do this and get super frustrated because they run into an error early on and then they never work with the data. That would be such a shame. Yeah. I, and that's what I, it's about failing gracefully. I, I love when people tell me that I'm wrong because then I, it gives a, a conversation to open up of like, so what can I do better? And that, mm, that's kind of, yeah. like, I guess my, my life's motto is I just always want to be doing better, but without failing and telling, having moments where I'm told that I'm wrong or that I could do something a little more correctly, then you don't really get to become better. So yeah. I that's kind of my standard of like, no, like I will say something and if it is wrong, correct me. And I, you know, fail gracefully about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's uh, uh, this is all fascinating to me. Granted, I am not, uh, I'm not a, um, what's, 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 I'm not like a sciencey type person. I'm more of like a, like a hardcore communicator, I should say, because uh, I never, I mean, I mean, I enjoy science. I mean, I enjoy the science on Star Trek. I enjoy the science on anywhere. Like this was fascinating to me. Like, I mean, when I read it, I mean, granted, I didn't understand half of it because uh, <laughs> that's just me. Is just I wasn't, um, I didn't get any formal training of how to interpret it. Uh, so, but I thought it was still cool, you know, cause I know this was a, a passion project for Kenzie and all kind of thing, you know, cause she does, she does this, she did this kind of thing and in her, in her college years. So I was like, okay. 
Uh, but and also you know, just exciting to see a fellow like woman in science. Like I just instantly, I think probably my like quickest way to be excited is just to meet fellow women in the science world. And, and especially when it's like an inspiration verted similar to mine of like, oh my gosh, Star Trek. Heck yeah. <laughs> like same. That's exactly where I felt a lot of my inspiration growing up of being like seeing Star Trek and seeing this future where it doesn't matter who you are. You can you know, work for the better good through like the story that's being told. And I always thought that was super exciting. I'm like, I want to live in a world where I'm not judged for like being a woman, but it's inevitably becomes kind of intertwined with your whole identity anyway. But I think it's important to note it and then, Mm. you know, do something about it or just explain what you see around being a woman in science or being a woman in Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, let's see here. Oh, I can't really think of any other things that ask you. Gotta go or... through. A, you, you know what? I was most excited about to come out of this project is the reaction that I got from people on Twitter. And once again, I have no idea what the people are talking about on other platforms. I only see what's happening on Twitter. I know it's a kind of a weird social thing of like between like I don't use Twitter as much, but I have a mm-hmm. lot of people my age that use Twitter. I tend to use Facebook a lot, which I don't know, like, I, I, that's actually kind of more of an outlier here with our age group, which always feels really weird. But most people I know, especially outside of the United States, do not use Facebook. So it's like Twitter is the more common thing. So it is interesting to hear that, like, but yeah, yeah. to so on, Twitter. On Twitter, the reactions were, first of all, I was extremely shocked by the ratio of positive to negative feedback having you know talking about something like star trek that has a surprising amount of male fans and the topic being about gender and kind of like i I try to keep it as factual as possible but you know the graphic kind of says that there is a gender imbalance in the beginning and then it gets better um i expected there to be a bit of a mess but there wasn't like the number of people who were absolute um, people about this was very low. And I got so much positive feedback. I got so much excited people. And what really, really made me the happiest was I got so many people saying, this is great. You should do, or somebody should do this and this and this next. You know, all of these ideas just bubbling out of people. It was the, the Twitter comments were like a brainstorming session. And um, the reason I'm so excited about this is I'm a geoscientist. I am not a gender studies major at all. I mean, I'm a woman living in this world and I have open eyes. So I, I see what's going on, but I am by no means like I couldn't write this up into what does this mean? What societal developments influenced this was it a change in gender in the writer's room was it you know what all the contributing factors I couldn't possibly have an educated um, thing to say about this but I bet there are people out there who are Trekkies and who are gender study majors so if anybody contributed to that if anybody feels really inspired by this and wants to like work from this please get in touch. I would absolutely love to collaborate on this. Like a couple of people reach out to me and said like, you should publish this. And I am like, yeah, sure, right away. But 
I would, it would be, be cool to like, see where it's really goes. out of my depth to, yeah. to publish a gender studies article as a geoscientist. Yeah. So, I mean, it is super cool to see that though, because you contributed inevitably to that conversation just by telling that story. Now people can ask those questions now that they see the data and it's visualized. Yeah. And you see that there is a trend of it becoming more equal in a, the later series. That is something where now people can tell a story beyond that of like, is it because of, yeah, writer, writer changes? Is it by producer changes? Can we go and look up that information, which mm. people totally can be like, there actually have been more women writers or there have been changes yeah. in producers or how many so people write episodes. So much can and should be said about this. And this really, this is such a wealth of like, I, I keep thinking this is a great bachelor's thesis. Yeah. Somebody should look into this. But I know this I is like, we don't have amazing. the time or the expertise. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I, I like seeing it because especially since it, it is a trend towards being more of an equal representation. And that's what's exciting to me because it gives me hope that we're heading in the right direction and that people's voices are heard and that things are written for today's audience. You know, like you, I think that's just a huge mm -hmm. thing that you can see that over time here in the graphs that you've made and you can see that progress. And I think that's what is a really awesome story to be like, hey, progress is being made. And like, I think that's super fun to actually see a visualization of that being like, it, it'd be interesting to see across the board on other things. Like, is this a, a trend specifically in sci-fi? Is it across the board of all genres of television? Like being able to see that, is that something that's becoming normalized across society to have women speak more on screen? Isn't this fascinating, though? I mean, it would be so cool if we could just study that without sinking massive numbers of working hours, because as far as I know, there is no catalog, no database of TV or movie characters and their gender. So what took up so much time is I was going through every single episode of Star Trek and assigning the genders to the characters. Like I was going by memory, of course, I was using memory alpha. I was using Wikipedia. In some cases, I pulled up the episode on Netflix and checked the scene because I just wanted to be sure, like, you can't tell from the names in the, in the transcript. You absolutely cannot tell the gender with all of these made up alien names. Yeah. Well, you, that's you what I was going to ask. I, so when I was going through some of your code, like looking at some of the Python stuff you've written, I was like, I was wondering, like, you had a you had a little thing, you know, doing a group by gender, like getting that all set up. But I was like going to ask about that, like, how, how did you get the gender in the first place? Because I, so you just went through and like manually by memory did that. Absolutely, and oh, I started. Man. That's intense. Chronologically, so I started with the original series, and at some point, very quickly, I realized that this is not doable, because there uh, there was something like. 490 something I don't remember the exact oh, number yeah. but there were like on the order of 400 characters in the original series alone and that's only three seasons so I felt uh, a daunting task coming towards me with the seven season shows like Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and Voyager and I was like okay this is what am I doing so at some point I realized um I I need to I need to make a cutoff point and I arbitrarily decided that I only count characters that have at least 10 lines of dialogue in an episode 
Yeah, I of really, course, I'm I really losing like some data, but not much. The location sounds like very nice. Like the most talkative, uh, most talkative characters, and then going from that. Yeah, that's a smart way to do it, though, because I think that's another thing that can get very intimidating with studying stuff like this. Would be like, how many characters are we going to look at? Is it minor characters versus major characters, or is it a mixture of both? Which, in your case, you did just most talkative characters, and then just base it off of that instead of being like major characters, like could break it down of like who who spoke the most out of the captains or things like that which I think in yours you said that Janeway had the most lines overall as captains going not quite but she's pretty pretty well up there with Picard I think Picard has oh yeah I lines. think I was trying to look at where Picard was he just and... loves his monologues yeah <laughs> oh, oh yeah this was just an example yeah I just saw that compared to TOS and uh, and uh, Voyager that Janeway spoke more than Kirk which I was surprised by I was like yeah I guess so yeah that's... and then there's a couple of characters you know I'm one thing that made me really happy was all of the feedback I got from people questioning my methods, because you should do that. You should always question people's oh, yes. methods. And they, the, the most asked question was people who clearly didn't have the mental space or the, the time or whatever to read the whole thing, which is perfectly fine. And then they came to me and said, like, mm, how did you gender people? How did you do this? What about gender neutral characters? The sheer number of times I was asked in varying degrees of politeness what about the gender neutral characters or the non-binary I should say non-binary characters it's just refreshing that so many people care about this and I wish that it was enough of a topic in Star Trek to actually include it in this graph but it would have made the visualization more messy Um, I have all of the data the data is in my GitHub repository it's all there publicly available uh, it's just that it's not much the non-binary yeah. characters in the comparison are less than two you'd have to like isolate that five percent yeah but it's it's a steep upwards trend with a non-binary main character in in discovery oh so yeah yeah with, uh, with adira yes um yeah 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 that's what i was thinking like yeah we have our first non-binary uh actor um playing a non-binary character so yeah so that makes total sense yeah now you see more of an uptick now especially when season four starts uh it was it'll, it'll keep on going up uh <laughs> with, with, your, with your data <laughs> so um at least but yeah this is all fascinating to me like granted this is sometimes a little over my head but i don't mind that i mean yeah i don't mind being like you know I know uh, what you said earlier uh, about, you know, being like, you want to sound sophisticated, but not sound like everyone else is stupid. But uh, for me, it's just like, I know it's way over my head, but this is full fascinating to me. So, (laughs) so, I mean, if, as long as I'm fascinated by this, like, which it was, and that's why I reached out to you. Um, that that's a win in my book. (laughs) So, and I'm super happy to hear that the Star Trek community embraced your findings and that's that's something that i'm happy to hear about like that was how we had, we had an episode probably near the beginning of this podcast kind of talking about the star trek community and its history of like especially with gatekeeping or you know kind of playing this game of like you don't deserve to be a star trek fan because you don't you know know the following things or you don't know you're not well versed or informed in certain episodes or just like whatever trivial 
factors that people play into deciding whether or not you get to be considered a fan. And I've always had that, that that's always been a very interesting topic for me because I've, I've met that just being, just being born as a woman and liking sci-fi. I feel like it often comes up where people question like, oh, do you really like Star Trek or you don't look like a Star Trek fan or whatever that means? Like just the, those conversations and how does that change over time? I think seeing stuff like this also drives a lot of that, like how much more open communities of like fandoms, especially Star Trek have become where I don't have as many people being stereotypical about what does a Star Trek fan look like or like uh, do you deserve to be a fan of Star Trek I think anybody that likes Star Trek can like Star Trek you know whether or not yeah. they, can, they can list off episodes or if they can remember your character it's all about impact and if you've enjoyed you know watching it and you like the show then you're a Star Trek fan yeah you know, I, I fully agree with you. That's that's one of the best things, one of the really good things about the Star Trek community. I, looking back, I shudder to think a little bit if I had attempted to do the same thing in another fandom. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but uh, some, <laughs> some fandoms come to mind that would have not been as welcoming. Yeah. And yeah. In, in the same vein, I, as a, <clears throat> as a scientist, I... I don't see the value in mocking people for not knowing things. Most of us yeah. don't know most of the things. And you know what I'm really, what kind of is my motto a little bit is this, I don't know if you've know this XKCD comic about um, uh, if, if you don't know something and you hear about it for the first time, you're today's, you're in among today's lucky 10,000 to hear it for the first time. Isn't that exciting? You, yeah. you learn about it now. And I, I've been perceiving this in the, in the Star Trek fandom when, you know, I didn't watch a couple of seasons of Next Generation. I somehow skipped it when, I, when it first came out. And it could have been the reaction of, oh, you're not a Star Trek fan. You've never even seen the whole Next Generation. But instead it was like, oh, you're in for a treat. Here's yeah. a lot of great things you're going to see for the first time. I wish I could see it for the first time again. And that's the mindset I feel like we should really adopt in science too. Yes, I love, I love that intention when meeting people with information they don't know yet. I've never been a fan of the like, you don't know this like type of feeling when people go like, like oh, pasha. like I can't believe that you would know this type of feeling, but more like, oh man, you don't know this. This is so exciting. Like you're, you're in for a treat. I love that because mm. it just shows that people are excited that you too get to learn something and you get to pass knowledge to somebody. I think that's a great way to keep people excited about learning rather than intimidating. Cause I think a lot of people, when there's so much information around us all the time, worry about coming into a conversation where they don't know something and are afraid that people are going to find out that they don't know enough about it. So they try like what you were talking about earlier, trying to sound super sophisticated enough to like bolster themselves and keep away any feelings of like that they're not well-versed or know enough about something. But it's nice to just be able to be freely, freely speak it, like to freely speak about your experience and your knowledge. And if you have gaps or things that are missing that people are like, oh, you don't know that, like that it's treated as an opportunity rather than 
some sort of issue in your knowledge. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's really. I'm glad that the Star Trek fandom uh, has embraced what you're saying, uh, Burkle. I'm great, uh, I'm glad that they have um, embraced this um, because you know. I mean, you can definitely say them. I probably would have suggested like Doctor Who or um, Star Wars for sure. They would have probably not. <laughs> they, probably yeah. would have, they probably would have crucified you. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's you know. tough. And it is tough. Like uh, that's kind of the perception. Like when I, I mean, when I was growing up, I actually kind of had that perception about Star Trek. At least some fans that I knew growing up. I was almost worried sometimes saying that I was a Star Trek fan because I had no one really hardcore Star Trek fans. And it sometimes made me nervous to say me too. And then it'd be met with this like, oh yeah, tell me everything there is to know about Star Trek and prove it. And it's like, uh, I shouldn't have to do that. I just like Star Trek. Like my friend that has watched one episode of Voyager and she liked it is a Star Trek fan. Me's watched however many series and episodes. I'm a Star Trek fan. There's no difference between us. Mm-hmm. just the opportunities to experience more of it that's all yeah yeah I I was really careful to phrase it like how thinking a lot about how I would phrase the tweet when I put it out because I had a little bit of a gut feeling that this would be taken off perhaps hopefully <laughs> and you know there's a couple of ways I could have presented the information with you know starting with some conclusions but along the lines of, you know, to boldly go where men finally shut up. I could have <laughs> phrased it like that and then I would not have seen the end of it. And it would also not have helped. It would not have yeah. created an environment where people go like, oh, cool. Uh, it was really important to me to present what I found and be in and present it in a way that said like, hey, let's talk about this. Isn't this isn't this exciting? yeah look how far we've come and then so many people comment on voyager being a real high point in the curve and yet still the dialogue being significantly less for the women than for the men so they that the perception was very different from the the data that i found where it's a show with a female captain of course and then there was seven of nine and balana and and whatnot and of course there were more um that dialogue line set by women than by men except no it wasn't and yeah this is the kind of thing that we should talk about it's yeah that was the thing it was the moment that i saw this data that was the first thing i wanted to look at was voyager because in my head my hypothesis was that that's going to be that's going to be a big uptick i bet because of how many like of having a ma- major female characters as well as minor characters that were women but then seeing that oh it didn't really it didn't really shift that much did it like it's still you know trending up but still there's a lot more male dialogue which I in my own head then was like wow I guess in my head I always pictured there's so much more dialogue than the other way around so it's exciting to kind of see that and be like okay that's cool. It's telling its story. Like that's the whole point that open that conversation of like, it might seem like that, but actually the data says otherwise. So I, and also I applaud you for thinking really critically about how you phrase sharing findings. So I think that's another huge, another huge place. Like that's like an opportunity in a world full of information like today's how 
how we present information. So it's, it's easy to see something like this and be like, yeah, that's pretty, pretty shitty, like to see the past, but also like you see progress and it's, it depends on what you're focusing on and how you're going to frame that and present that to people that can totally change how people perceive it. Yeah, but I would like to object to phrasing it as the past was shitty. I mean, those were just different yeah. times. We shouldn't hold them we shouldn't look at them through 2021 goggles exactly. too much. Um, so. Yeah, that's like, it's a sign of the times. So yeah, that's like a, that's like more just me like joking about it. Like it, that's a, I see that a lot where people will try to like say things like that about past like movies, like the topics that movies cover, conversations that happen, how characters are written. But it it is like that that thing of like, but remember, it's a sign of the times. Like you can't you can't like it's often this like culture around looking back at things in retrospect and kind of judging it in today's standards and it's like that's good to it's good to have that reflection but you Mm -hmm. can't throw away something of the past because of what it was as it was in that time which was normal like it'd be easy to say like screw the original series because of whatever data showing that for some reason like however there's other reasons to say that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and but seeing that, and but also remembering that it's like okay, but also for the time, like this was actually very almost controversial. A lot of the things that they covered, or things that were trying to be forward thinking in that time, and you have to remember, like periods of time, and when things were produced to remember that because it'd be easy to look back now and be like, oh wow, I can't believe they do that, and it's like well. Actually, if you know more about that time period, it is believable. Actually, it was surprising that they did do that, considering yeah. the times. Mm-hmm. I had a good chuckle about somebody who came up to me on Twitter and was like, keep your gender politics outside of my uh. Star Trek. And I'm like, how do I tell you? <laughs> how intertwined this actually is with Star Trek. Keep politics out of science fiction is so hilarious to me. I know. I'm like, that's literally like those are intertwined inexorably. Like that's kind of the point of sci-fi, especially I mean, like a lot of people writing stories of sci-fi, it's sort of this, it sort of is this analysis of future society or past society, just on like the decisions. Yeah, science that, fiction has always looked critically at where we are and tried to imagine a world where we're one step further yeah and yeah. so that's that is an interesting feed like interesting feedback for somebody to try to bring up I'm like mm, I'll have to disagree and, you know, a step further for our eyes is not necessarily the same direction that a step further was for 1966 TOS yeah I and mean, for them a step forward was the women wearing very short skirts then you look at discovery today and the only short skirts you see more or less are on the men I mean, the women are fully dressed again because today that's a step forward to that women don't need to be sexualized anymore. You know, it it changes so much. Yeah, and that's such an exciting thing to see. And it's interesting to have conversations around that and do the comparison. So again, that's, I love, I love that you span this whole time period. It's a perfect amount of time to also just look at how things have changed over the past 60 years and I think that's just a great way to start conversations like this and we're already starting so many conversations about this I can't imagine like how how long people could just sit and talk about 
things that they yeah. wonder about based on this data. So I would like to shamelessly promote this one more time that if one of your oh, listeners yes. has any interest or expertise in looking at this through gender goggles, I would be delighted to pick this up again. Like I could help out with the data analysis of any kind of way, but you know, there, there should be a lot of talk. Yes. Yeah, totally agree with that. Totally agree with this, a hundred percent. You know, because we got like, you know, we like regarding gender stuff. We do always do the. uh, I know, I know, like, um, I know. I took a gender. I took a gender studies class in college, and you know, talked about the Bechtel test and stuff like that, and and stuff like that. I know Discovery passes it every time because of because because of the main stars, uh, because of more of Sonequa Martin Green and stuff like that, and. Uh, and so and other things like that but yeah definitely um yeah definitely um i i think the other one too like i i love that you did imdb ratings as well for like that's another great visualization for star trek voyager mm, just like another visualization of that so it'll be definitely something when we share this episode we like throw out that github project and be like take a look at these it's pretty interesting and the way that you outlined it i think anybody can pick it up and go go have a run at it themselves yeah 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 and i thought this was yeah like i got to i'll reiterate one more time is like all this data was a little bit over my head but you know it makes i mean i got the gist of it but but the intricacies and stuff like that though that was a little bit over my head but uh because I, like I said, I don't have no formal training in data analytics, uh, but uh, but uh, it was definitely a great thing to look at and stuff like that. And I'm glad it's more getting more equal now, thanks mm-hmm. to. And we, I think we should all thank Alex Kurtzman for that. Uh, yeah. Oh the yeah. Head, <laughs> the, totally. head, the head guru guru of Star Trek, which um, I'm gonna like shamelessly put this out. He just got extended for another three years on his contract. Yes. So he's uh, he's there until uh, at least twenty twenty seven. So uh, doing <laughs> doing Star Trek, just shamelessly punking that out right now. <laughs> so yeah, definitely, we'll definitely be seeing more of an equality in in terms of uh, uh, dialogue for genders and stuff like I that. Thought, yeah, and I, I look forward to seeing. Com- I I would love if anybody knows about more of the backstory of how like production goes and what conversations are like on how they write series i would love to know more about that because i feel like that's a i mean that's a huge part of it obviously is just how they decide to pick writers what how are they being critical with themselves it's like do we need more representation in one way with like how are they collecting feedback about you know dialogue and character representation like i i always think that's amazing and i'm sure they do a lot of that because it seems like they're obviously listening to some sort of feedback or some sort of source that is telling them like changes need to be made and they're moving forward with them. And I, I love that. I think that's exciting. And I love seeing people collaborating and listening to others. It's, it's great. It's like yeah. the true world of science and mm-hmm. communication being tied together as Star Trek should be. It feels like we're approaching what Star Trek is painting a future of us doing and I'm like, hey, we're starting to almost like live like the, the hope that we can reach a society similar to what's portrayed in Star Trek. And that's exciting to me. Yeah. And I thought that was really uh, interesting. To, like, I th- like I said, I think I think um, 
since Alex Kurtzman's been the head guru guru of Star Trek since 2017, I think with production wise, they've hired a lot more uh, female writers and female directors and producers. Um, I mean, you know, you got Hanel Culpepper, for example. I can just bring this up. Hanel Culpepper, she was the first uh, woman of color to direct an episode of Star Trek. So, uh, yeah, so I think Alex Kurtzman is maybe the reason why. I think they're getting more equal. So <laughs> I could be wrong about that, but I don't know. Maybe I don't That's know. That's the opportunity then, like, someone pick up Birko's work and let's run with it and analyze it more. Keep, keep it, you know, keep analyzing and checking more behind the curtains of, like, why is this? Why is this a thing? There's so much more that could be done just with the data set that I cleaned and prepared. Like I, the, the original data that I found to work with wasn't, I, I noticed that it had some issues. So I set about building it back up from, from scratch. So now there's on my GitHub, there's available the data set of all transcripts of all series of Star Trek until 2020, I think. And just so many ideas what could be done with them. Right now, I just looked at the character names and counted, like I counted characters, I counted what they said, but the dialogue is all there. You could yeah. totally do like a sentiment analysis. Who says more positive things? Who says more negative things? Is there a trend? Um, what topics are you talking about? Like I did a quick and dirty analysis just for fun. And I found out that... Uh, I mean, obviously, there is more mentions of uh, of, of coffee in Voyager than <laughs> in any other um, season. But I mean, these kind of uh, of things are just they're just really really interesting. Like, uh, did you know, for example, that um, coffee is mentioned more in in general than tea? for example, but in Next Generation, of course, tea is mentioned about five times as often as coffee, whereas uh, in Voyager, coffee is mentioned about four times as much as tea. These are the kinds of analysis you could do. And I mean, obviously, beverage is not a very interesting thing. You could look at something like um, emotions, uh, topics like uh, war or weaponry or yeah. peace talks or, you know, all, all kinds of content how many, analysis. How many human-centric references are made throughout Star and Trek? And then there's the whole analysis for human versus alien. And, yeah. You know, there's like, so there's much a lot of There's done. a lot of human cultural references above, like, I mean, obviously that's like the storytelling <laughs> and story writing in general. Like, I don't know how much people want to get into building a whole backstory of an alien race and how much they reference stuff. But, you know, things like coffee and tea, like, those are pretty like i haven't heard other like necessarily versions of like what they're talking about being like a human thing or references to like shakespeare mm. or like yeah. classic works of literature that are human related and it's like is yeah. that common knowledge among the federation like everybody knows this, that magically yeah because this is like a really neat shorthand to to do an analysis of a visual medium when you have the transcripts of what's being said Obviously, we still don't know what, we still don't have the data on what is being shown. How do the characters behave visually? That's not in there, obviously, but the dialogue already has so much information. That, and with data science, that's the beauty of it. Once you have the script set up, it doesn't take very long. 
you can just yeah. have it run like looking for all instances of tea or Earl Grey <laughs> you know um, it takes seconds yeah let the code let the code yeah. once you have it set up let the code do it that's like the best thing is just find it group by it do it <laughs> give me the results Exactly. I look for it. I would love to take a stab at it. And if I do, I will definitely be uh, sending it your way and be like, what do you think? What about this? Like, and I hope that you get a lot of people doing that already or having conversations about doing that. And I think honestly that it's probably inspired a ton of people, just like the sentiment I saw. And that's why in the first place I wanted to reach out and, you know, talk about this was like, I, I just kept seeing it popping up and I'm like, this is so cool. And I'm, I'm excited to see how many people are excited about this and, you know, people having ideas. And I'm like, I hope those ideas actually become actions that people take to like do that themselves or look at it too. So I look forward to hearing more of that and I'm sure we'll stay in touch or follow each other. I'll make sure to creep on the Twitter and look, cause I'm definitely more of a lurker on Twitter. I should use Twitter more considering like that it's a pretty nice medium for most people for social media but just got to get into it I gotta find my voice in Twitter yeah you got this <laughs> <laughs> okay uh I think we're reaching the the end of this conversation I think uh where can uh how can they contact you uh Burke uh Birkel? so I would actually prefer if people reach out to me via Twitter if they don't have Twitter, that's okay too. There's a contact form on my homepage. I'm sure you'll include the links in the oh, yeah. show notes. So um, yeah, definitely. What's your, what's the Twitter handle? Oh, <laughs> the Twitter handle is at let's boldly go. Nice. With underscores between the words. Love it. Oh, that's awesome. That, the, yeah, I'm granted, I mean, granted, I bet you. <laughs> After this episode is available, <laughs> you'll probably get a lot more followers, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Exciting. Well, thank you very much for uh, joining us. Um, I really did have thank a you. really just interesting conversation. We'll definitely keep in touch if we have to <laughs> do this again. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Yes, a pleasure having you. So until next week, take care and live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.